Welcome back. Have you seen the Netflix show The Queen's Gambit? What did you think of it? That miniseries, The Queen's Gambit, stars Anya Taylor-Joy as Beth Harmon, an orphan chess prodigy who rises to the top of the chess world while struggling with drug and alcohol abuse. The acclaimed show was released in October, and by November, it was Netflix's most watched scripted series to date. And by December, getting your hands on a chessboard was like buying toilet paper at the beginning of the pandemic. Chessboards were flying off store shelves because of the success of this show. So... Does the chess player in the Queen's Gambit ring true to chess players? And what is a Queen's Gambit anyway? Joining me now is Jennifer Yu, the 2019 U.S. Women's Chess Champion and a woman grandmaster. She joins us from her parents' home in Ashburn, Virginia. Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us. Hi, I'm happy to be here. Jennifer, I just introduced you as a woman grandmaster, which is quite a title. What does being a woman grandmaster in the chess world mean? So uh, in the chess world, there's a, um, a, a level, different levels of titles. So um, in order to become one, you have to kind of uh, accomplish a couple requirements. And so to become a woman grandmaster, I had to get these things called norms for a woman grandmaster. So once I got those, I got my title. And um, there are a few titles higher than that, so I'm still trying to get higher titles. Yeah, one of the higher titles, is my understanding, is becoming an international grandmaster. What's left for you to achieve that title? So um, there's actually a slight difference between international master and grandmaster, which is what people call international grandmaster. So it's very detailed, um, and but uh, I'm very close to getting international master, but I ha- I'm not quite there yet. For international grandmaster, it's a little bit farther, but hopefully sometime um, in a few years I, I can get that. We're talking with Jennifer Yu, the 2019 U.S. Women's Chess Champion and a woman grandmaster. Jennifer, you won the 2019 U.S. Women's Chess Championship. What was that like, and what were your expectations going into that tournament? Well, I didn't expect much um, going into the tournament because I've been playing in the U.S. Championship since I was 13, so that was my... Um, I was 17 when I played the 2019 U.S. Championship, and um, I played a tournament before, and it didn't go so well. So I was when I was playing into the tournament, I just kind of wanted to play my best chess, not think about the result much. Um, things ended up working out for me, and I can say that that result kind of changed my life because I never really thought I could win that event, and it was, I mean, it's the U.S. Championship, so um, uh, it just kind of showed me that I have a lot more potential than I realized. Well, you should have realized that long before. Let's go back to a tournament that you won a few years earlier in South Africa. You won the gold medal there. How significant was the win for you and for the United States? So, uh, yeah, so in that event, I played the um, World Girls Tournament uh, for 12 and under, and I ended up winning that tournament, and it was... um, I believe it was the first time a um, a gold medal was won by a girl for the United States in 27 years or something. So um, that was an uh, after. So yeah, that was um, very surprising, and I also didn't expect that much because um, I was younger then. So I was 12 when I won that, and back then chess was kind of just like a hobby sort of for me. Like I did a bunch of things, like I did piano, um, played a few instruments, sports. So it wasn't just chess. After that, chess started becoming more important to me, um, and I realized that I have more potential there. Not, I still didn't expect that I would win the U.S. Championship, of course, but you know, I just thought that I have a future in this. 
after playing musical instruments and after performing in sports, um, what age were you when you won your first tournament? Well, what age were you when you started playing chess and what age were you when you won your first tournament? Um, oh, I actually don't remember what tournament. Um, I would think <laughs> it was... I would think it was a um, some a national girls event. Um, I can't remember exactly what it's called, <laughs> but it was. I I think I was around um, in third grade or fourth grade when that was the case. But I started playing chess. My first tournament was when I was seven. Okay, here now is Kathleen Donahue in Washington D.C. Kathleen, you're on the air. Go ahead, please. Hi, can you hear me? Yes, we can. Hi, how are you, Kojo? It's nice to talk to you again. Nice talking to you too, Kathleen. <laughs> um, Kurt had asked me to call in just to say from my um, game retailer standpoint um, about chess sales in December as a result of Queen's Gambit. So um, <laughs> I can definitely tell you December was a little bit different this year um, thanks to the coronavirus and everything, but all of a sudden... We always sell most of our chess sets in November and December throughout the year. That's just when chess sells. Um, but this year we sold almost twice as many chess sets as we did last December. And um, I think we probably would have sold more, but everybody in the whole country ran out of chess sets. Wow. Kathleen, thank you for your call. I know you, but who is this cart person that you referred to who said you could call in? The guy who works for you, I think. One of the guys oh, um, had asked me, because I own Labyrinth. <laughs> oh, I know who it, I know who it is. It's Kurt Gardner, who's the producer for this show, as a matter of fact. I was just kidding you. But Kathleen, thank you very much for your call. Here now is Diana in Falls Church, Virginia. Diana, you're on the air. Go ahead, please. Yes, hi again, Kojo. <laughs> it's not my first time. Um, I, I'm a, an avid li a listener to your show, and thank you for taking my call. Um, yes, I, I watched the series. Um, I didn't realize it was a series, so I watched the whole thing all at once. I thought it was a movie, <laughs> um, and uh, <laughs> I just couldn't stop watching it. Um, I always loved chess sets, and I, I know how to move the pieces. I'm not a good strategist. I don't know really how to play it uh, very well, but um, I love the game. I think it's a very uh, important, uh, intelligent game, and I wish they made more movies like that, more series like that. You know, it's a very enticing, very intelligent thing. It's a very... I loved it, so that's my Diana, comment. Diana, thank you very much for your call. Jennifer, you grew up in Ashburn, Virginia. What was growing up there like, and are there chess players in your town that can compete with you? Who did you practice with? Yeah, so uh, playing chess in this area um, is very nice because there's a lot of tournaments in this DMV kind of area, um, and also it's very close to Philadelphia where there are a lot of big events. Um, there used to be a few chess clubs also in this area, but I'm not sure if they're still around now. But uh, yeah, there's. But in Ashburn, there's not as many chess players, but in Fairfax, there's definitely quite a few. So, um, which is very nice because going to these local events, you can just kind of compete. And also, growing up, um, you compete with a lot of the same people, and then you end up making a lot of friends. So I still have a lot of those friends that I made when I was nine or ten. Um, but I feel like nowadays uh, a lot of the um, 
the people I play in tournaments are also from different parts of the country or sometimes different parts of the world. Because once you get to higher levels, um, bigger tournaments are usually in like big cities. So Philadelphia, for example, um, and uh, sometimes in D.C. Well, let's talk with somebody who's actually played with you. Here's Maggie in Blacksburg, Virginia. Maggie, your turn. You're on the air. Hi, thank you for having me. Um, I'm a long-term friend um, of Jennifer, and we both grew up playing chess together um, in Northern Virginia. Um, she asked me to come here today to talk about like my experience with her and um, how it relates to the Queen's Gambit. Um, both Jennifer, like she said, uh, we've grown up playing around these, um, these chess clubs in Northern Virginia, going to Philadelphia. Um, every year I would go to um, Chicago to play in the All-Girls National Tournament and make a lot of friends there. Um, in relation to the Queen's Gambit, it is really similar um, to how chess is portrayed in real life. Um, as a female in the chess community, um, especially in that first episode where um, she walks in and the whole room is full of men and she's paired with another female. I definitely resonate with that. Um, there's, they kind of look down on you for being a girl at first. Um, that's how it was like when I was really young. But after um, gaining being higher in rating, um, they start to recognize you. And definitely Jennifer is definitely recognized throughout the world. Um, she's very humble about her title. So I definitely give her a lot of credit for that. Well, how humble are you, Maggie? Can you beat Jennifer? Uh, no, I cannot. <laughs> <laughs> but I, have you, have I, you played her? I, I've been playing for around 10 years, but okay. I stopped playing competitively um, four years ago. So I don't play as much now. But definitely after um, Queen's Gambit, so many people have been wanting to play. So it's kind of rekindled this um, passion I have for chess now. Maggie, thank you very much for sharing that story with us as a friend of Jennifer. Jennifer, I know you and many people, and I watched it last night, have seen The Queen's Gambit, but for those listening who have not, here is a short clip from the Netflix miniseries, and for those of you who have seen the show, this is a scene from episode two. It's the final match in the Kentucky State Championship in Lexington between Beth Harmon and Harry Beltic. Here you go. Do you see it now? Or should we finish this on the board? Son of a Jennifer, what did you think of the Queen's Gambit and did the chess they play there ring true to a chess champion like yourself? I personally love the show a lot. I thought it just... Played. Um, like Maggie said, it kind of showed uh, the chess world um, in a pretty accurate way. It's not completely perfect, but I think it's the closest that it can be. Uh, the chess um, that they played on the screen was actually very accurate, which is surprising because usually in these kinds of movies, there's always a little bit um, kind of like movie magic going on and the chess isn't very um, realistic. But I believe that they actually have... Uh, 
two grandmasters um, that were chess consultants and that kind of showed on the screen. So like, for example, in that clip that you just played, uh, it's a bit um, not the most accurate because, for example, in a tournament, you wouldn't really talk to your opponent mm -hmm. at all. It's not really allowed, but um, I mean, it's mainly for dramatic purposes, I believe. But uh, so these kinds of moments don't really happen in real life. Um, but it, it's, I think that they did a very good job in portraying it on the screen. But even though you're not allowed to say it, is that a moment you experience? Do you see it now? You just see it now? Uh, yes, actually. So <laughs> a, a lot of times, like, especially when you're trying to like solve like a puzzle or something, where you can just look at a board for a very long time and you just don't know like what the move is. You just can't see it like they put it. And then once you do see it, like either you solve it yourself or you're told it, it's like something that you can't unsee. Like you can try to and forget about it, but it's just always there, which is kind of an interesting concept. Well, let's pursue that for a second with Max in Washington, D.C. Max, you're on the air. Go ahead, please. Thank you for taking my call, Kojo. This is a nice setup because my question was for your guest, how do you envision a board in a highly competitive situation? Is it one move at a time or a series of moves at a time? Or do you envision groups of pieces moving like plays on a football game or something like that? I've always been curious to ask uh, highly competitive players this question. How do you envision uh, a competitive game? Jennifer? So the... Probably the most accurate answer is every position is different, but to give a general kind of answer to that, um, chess, a lot of chess is just pattern recognition. So a lot of times you just see a position and you know exactly what you need to do because you've just seen that position maybe like hundreds of times before. Uh, so once you kind of get that pattern recognition in, you just sort of see the board and there are certain moves that just make sense immediately. So those are kind of like the intuitive responses. Oh, I can probably go here, I can go here, I can go here. Uh, and then once you kind of get like that big picture idea going on, maybe it's like, oh, I have to do something towards my opponent's king or I have to develop my pieces. Once you kind of get a basic idea of what's going on, then you can start coming up with moves that you want to calculate. And calculation is just sort of like, um, it's just kind of a tree. So I see my move. What are my opponent's possible responses to it? And then once I see their possible responses to it, what are my possible responses to it? And it just branches out. Thank you very much for your call, Max. And here's Charlotte in Falls Church, Virginia. Charlotte, your turn. Hi there. Um, I have a question about how good of a chess player Beth Harmon actually was. And separately, have you started dressing like her? Because her fashion sense in that series is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer. I would love to dress like Beth Harmon, but... Um, you know, these days it's just kind of throwing on a pair of sweatpants and going on a day. <laughs> but uh, so, so like from her games, um, I mean, I'm not really exactly sure what her level would be. Uh, she's a strong player, but so like from her from her chess journey uh, towards the end of the show, where she uh, where she well, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say the ending of the show. Well, no, don't please don't give it away. <laughs> yeah, okay, I can't get away, I can't get away. Uh, but, like, from her strength, I would assume that she's the top of the world, um, which would be, 
very strong, obviously, but uh, like from her games, it's it's also different because it was. I think this show takes place in the fifties, and um, the top of the world in the fifties is different from the top of the world now. So um, since we, I, since well, we, I'd like to talk about that for a second because during the time frame of, of the Queen's Gambit, the fifties and the sixties, the chess world was dominated by the Russians. Is that still the case? You're saying it's a little different now, or and where are the other top players in the world coming from these days? Um, the Russian players are still very strong today, uh, probably because for like years now, there's just always been very strong players. Because back then in the 50s, it was definitely true. The Soviet Union was just dominant in chess. Uh, I mean, so there's a very famous um, Robert Fisher, which uh, Bobby Fisher, which a lot of people probably heard of. Uh, he was the American chess player that won the world championship against um, Boris Spassky. Uh, so it was kind of seen as like a Cold War sort of thing, the American playing the Soviet Union. Um, so uh, that was like the one like breakthrough, um, but through the like the Soviet like stronghold on chess. Uh, nowadays, because of like kind of computer advancement and these kinds of things, it's you don't have to come from a country that is strong in chess to become a good chess player. Uh, for example, the current world champion right now, uh, Magnus Carlsen, he's from Norway, which is um, not usually seen as one of the top chess countries. But uh, there are also still very um, countries known as strong as, sorry, <laughs> countries that are strong in chess, that, such as like Russia now, China, India, and U.S. too. You've played a few of those top players, it is my understanding, online, but not in person. Is that correct? Yeah, um, I played. Uh, I played some grandmasters in on the over the board, but I haven't played the top of the world players. How is it different when you're playing online from when you're playing over the board? Uh, it feels like a different game, to be honest, because online you don't really see your opponent in front of you, and. Uh, a lot of chess is psychological, so that kind of changes that aspect because you're just playing on a screen. And there's also some things that you can do online that you can't do over the board. For example, online, you're allowed to do this thing called pre-moving, where you make your move before your opponent uh, makes their move. So it's kind of like guessing which move they make, and then it's very important when you're low on time. And uh, online games are usually uh, faster than over the board games. Okay, here now is Ray in Fairfax, Virginia. Ray, you're on the air. Go ahead, please. Hi. Hey, I'm just curious. Odd question. Do you like um, baseball? The only reason I ask is I always thought that a great chess player would make a hell of a baseball manager. <laughs> Jennifer. Well, I don't really follow baseball. So, <laughs> I mean, if I watched it, I might like it, but I don't really follow it all that much. Yeah, I think our caller was referring to the whole issue of strategy in baseball. Mm -hmm. Here is Jeff in Reston, Virginia. Jeff, your turn. Hi, Kojo. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I am a co-founder of the George Mason University Chess Club. Uh, it was a big chess club when I was in school. It went on to win many state championships, and we had challenges from the Ivy League, and, and uh, the Russians actually came to, to visit us as well. Um, I wanted to comment that I did have the chance to teach a lot of kids in the Fairfax County school system uh, how to play chess in an after-school program. And I remember that um, there's a lot of pressure, you know, to, to compete in tournaments 
Um, you know, parents want kids to, to really progress and be challenged and so on. But one of the things that I tried to instill in the chess club that I ran at, at Mason, as well as in the school systems, um, was the value of just having a, a conversation over the board. You know, like it's a very social game when you can sit down and play with someone. Uh, and it's something that I was able to take with me as I studied abroad uh, to sit down and play people from around the world as well. So it's a, a game that teaches you a lot of life skills beyond just competing in a tournament. Um, and while it's inspiring, I hope people also get to appreciate uh, you know, just the over-the-board play. Well, in the tournaments that Jennifer has been playing in, no conversation across the board is occurring in those tournaments. But I do understand your point. Thank you for your call. Uh, Jennifer, talk a little bit about that, being moving around the world and talking to a lot of different chess players that you're not necessarily playing at the time. Does that help you? Yeah, uh, I definitely agree with him saying that you can learn a lot of life lessons through chess. And uh, meeting a lot of different people definitely helps as well. So, uh, like earlier when Maggie called, she, um, we kind of grew up together playing these kinds of events. So I have a lot of these lifelong friends that I met through chess, and uh, I know a lot of like the players all across the country and across the world just from seeing these kinds of just going to these kinds of events. And I think it's a very valuable thing. Uh, Our producer titled this segment, What is a Queen's Gambit Anyway? So what is a Queen's Gambit Anyway? (laughs) So a Queen's Gambit is actually an opening in chess. So an opening is uh, is the beginning phase of the game. And uh, these are usually well-known lines that chess players know. So you learn them and you memorize them. And then you can use them against different opponents. And it's just almost uh, all memory in the beginning phase of the game. And a queen's gambit is at a line for black. So if white goes a certain move order, uh, black can play a certain move order against it. So it's not as exciting as it sounds because I think it's, it sounds it's a very nice name, but it's just an opening in chess. Is it an opening you use typically? I do use it. Um, since it's a black opening, it means that if, uh, that if your opponent plays as white, you can choose to do it. So I play this maybe like 50-50 with another opening since once you start um, playing chess more, you usually want to expand the openings that you know because your opponents start preparing against your openings. So it's nice to kind of throw them off their feet at times. Don't have much time left, but Margarita in Washington has a fascinating question. Margarita, your turn. Yes, thank you. I was wondering whether or not you've ever played a computer, a chess computer game, and if so, can you recommend a good game for solo players right now? Only have about thirty seconds left, Jennifer. Uh, a chess. So on on these online websites like chess.com, they do have different kinds of uh, computers. I usually don't practice against computers because they they make a lot of inhuman moves and um if you <laughs> which makes sense but um they just like people won't make those kinds of moves because it's not intuitive okay. and mm. also like the strong um any computer now at its like highest level is completely stronger than any human can ever be so okay. um like any like the comp- uh, like if you have a computer on your phone it's going to be stronger than a world champion so it's okay. kind of difficult to practice against one Jennifer Yu is the 2019 Women's Chess Champion and a Woman Grandmaster. Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us.
This segment was Chess Champ Jennifer Yu, was produced by Kurt Gardner. Our conversation about the aftermath about the Muslim ban was produced by Lauren Marco. Coming up tomorrow, is high-speed rail from D.C. to Baltimore really going to happen? And what about expanding the Beltway? We'll get the latest on Maryland's transportation initiatives with Washington Post reporter Luz Lazo and WAMU transportation reporter Jordan Pascal. That all starts at noon tomorrow. Until then, thank you for listening and stay safe. I'm Kojo Namdi. The Kojo Nambi Show is produced by Julie Deppenbrock, Sydney Granin, Lauren Marco, Kirk Gardiner, Richard Cunningham, and Ines Renike. Our managing producer is Ingelisa Schrobsdorf. Our broadcast engineer is Rashad Young. Today's engineer was Mike Kidd. For past shows and more content, visit kojoshow.org.